Hi, Sense of Soul listeners. This is Kelly Sparta. If you are someone who has been interested in being a healer and you're on your healing path and you want to be a better healer, before you go out and take that next certification program, please stop and take a look at the program that I have for you about up-leveling yourself as a healer. You can find it by using the link in the show notes or by going to mysenseofsoul.com and check out why it is important to do your inner work before you worry about getting more certifications. Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today on the Sense of Soul, we have Courtney Jones, a positive psychology coach and hypnotherapist, aka the undercover intuitive. Courtney wrote the book, The Leader Within. It was published in 2020 by Mind Potential Publishing. Courtney strongly believes that being intuitive in business is fast becoming accepted as the new way to lead and innovate. She says this approach to leadership and organizational development has never been more relevant and more important. Today, we are gonna talk to Courtney about how applying her seven-step ascension leadership model can free you from self-doubt and indecision. We are super excited to learn more about her, her story, and this model. Welcome, Courtney. Hello. Hello. Hi, Mandy. I've been listening to uh, some of your podcasts just over the last couple of days, weeks, to um, just get a bit of a feel of how you guys go. And I love it. Like, even though I think I've read so much and I've learned so much and I've studied so much, listening to conversations with other people and the other perspectives, you just, you know, I'm always kind of going, oh, mind blown. That's an interesting way to look at it. And so it's been a really great adventure the last couple of weeks. So thank you. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, thank you for listening. So tell us the AKA undercover intuitive. Well, you know, I'm not so much undercover these days, but it came about because I was working in these really mainstream gray suit government environments and everybody was, you know, black and white policy, you know, by the rules. And I was wandering about in these worlds thinking, yeah, but I'm listening to my intuition and I'm getting guidance and I don't see it like that. I I understand there's a vibration to these things. And so I had to keep my intuitive decision-making and intuitive direction really to myself to be able to fit in and not get those weird looks. But that was just getting harder and harder. I mean, it's so hard to keep yourself in a box for a long period of time. So, you know, I did spend a lot of time feeling like I was undercover in those places. And one of my colleagues actually called it out one day and he said, you're just not built for government. You don't belong here. You don't fit in. And I was like, well, thank you. I take that as a compliment because, you know, (laughs) there's this real, um, you probably have it, you know, where you guys are, but there's this real stereotypical concept of a public servant or, you know, a government person, a company man. So it was really interesting that he saw that and then I thought well if he has you know picked up on that probably everybody else has and so that kind of helped me to get a little bit of courage to start to be a little bit more myself in these spaces yeah Yeah. well Courtney I would say that what a politician looks like kind of went out the window with Donald Trump (laughs) we're certainly shaking things up you know yeah definitely Trump broke the mold yeah 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 and (laughs) 
for us in Australia, you know, my view of it is that there are not a lot of people in these roles of public service or leadership that are willing to break the, the company line and actually stand up for their values or call out their colleagues and say, this is not why we were voted in. This doesn't feel good. The people see and hear of these things and have that feeling and knowing that's not right. Are people, do you think, open to bring this more vulnerable, authentic and intuitiveness into the corporate world or into politics? Do you see that opening up? I mean, with the shift that happened in COVID, I mean, is that what you're doing? You're trying to implement it into those places. Talk about what your hope is with intuition. I I do think that people are willing and ready to change the way that things have been done because the old model is just not working anymore it's it's broken Mm -hmm. and we can't keep bolting on these solutions of trying to fix it so the issues that we've been you know working towards resolving like homelessness in australia we have the the indigenous population we have closing the gap program and since they have, you know, started working to close the, the gap between health standards and life expectancy, the problem is stayed the same or gotten worse. So whatever we're doing is not working. What I'm well, finding inspirational is that it may be a little bit too late for my generation, although there are many, many people, particularly women, who are brave enough to call it out. But it's the generation behind us who are saying enough is enough. They're taking to the streets. They're using their voice. And these are the people who will, they're the leaders of the future. They're the ones who are going to bring this new way of operating into the light and make that the norm. And so I I have hope. And when you look around your communities, there are many individuals or small grassroots organisations who are doing things at the local level. And that's where I think that sometimes we kind of look at the big picture and say it's hopeless it's getting worse it's all too sad and there's so many issues which definitely but when we acknowledge our own power and our own agency to create change within our own little sphere all of those little spheres intersect and before you know it there's this beautiful ripple effect of change happening and that is what I'm working towards and you know putting out there and helping you know create wherever I can. One of the running mates for the Democratic Party here was Marianne Williamson, a great leader in the spiritual world. And I remember when it first came out, Mandy called me and she was like, this is so sad. They're like, you know, they think she's a joke. You know, weren't they like making jokes? Someone was making jokes on Twitter about her saging the stage or some shit. It seemed far-fetched, but it ended up with a woman as yeah. vice president. It does show that there's change in making. And it's true. Gen Z is speaking up and voicing their, their beliefs and their the rights and the equality and the change that they want to see in the world. And they will be surrounded by their peers who are more open and accepting. So when you look at what happened with Marianne Williamson, her, uh, her spiritual beliefs should not have been ridiculed in such a way because so many of our politicians are so open about their religious and spiritual beliefs and we all have to get on board and all of that stuff but because she has a belief in something that's different to that they've used that as you know a point of weakness or something to target and that just seems to me like you know the opposite of what we are spruiking we're saying being open and accepting to all except that because that's not you know what I believe in except this except that so 
I think, you know, the Gen Zs, they're all accepting of so many different views and they are loving the diversity and, you know, the, mm-hmm. the melting pot of all of these different yeah. opinions and ideas. But also, you know, the vibrational quality that somebody like Marianne brings to an election campaign and an election race, she has created a shift. Something has bumped mm-hmm. up against the traditional energy of those spaces and there will be changes in there. And, right. you know, it is a great outcome to have uh, a woman as a vice president. And, mm-hmm. you know, that change is already in motion and it, yeah. it can't be stopped. And really speaking to the world that we want something different. Like you said, the old way, it's not working. It's not working. Mm-hmm. Courtney, I'm, I'm curious, this gentleman that said that to you, what do you think it was particularly that he saw in you or that you said, or I mean, that was giving him this idea that you didn't fit in. Was it because you were speaking more from a place of your heart chakra and your, you know, love? Was it um, that you were saying things like, I feel this instead of I have the data? Like, what was it? I think it was definitely a lot of language around, I feel this. I don't feel that is right. That's definitely me. I expect that it was around my approach to problem solving. And, you know, our traditional framework had been say no and say no. Whereas I was entering these situations where I was like, well, we can't do it exactly like that because of, you know, policy, governance, public money, this kind of stuff. However, I think we can find a solution that will work for both of us. These are words that don't get used often in in some of these traditional spaces. Finding a solution that works for both. What? This is (laughs) right. So I think it was about my willingness to, to solve a problem rather than to say no and move on. And that put me up against a lot of, you know, resistance. Once you start to challenge the old ways of thinking, people either have to expand themselves or they get very defensive holding their line. So, you know, I think I probably did ruffle a few feathers. I think I probably did, you know, have this reputation as somebody who was a troublemaker or asked too many questions or, you know, uh, a few people would use the phrase that I was a bleeding heart because I was always trying to help the community or, you know, solve a problem for somebody that, you know, other people would just say no to. So it was probably my approach to problem solving and to working with the community and yeah, maybe around the language, but I think he probably also knew that there were crystals in my pocket and (laughs) I like just always carrying crystals and you know at lunchtime instead of cafes or in the regular lunchtime places I could be found in the park sitting under a tree just you know sitting in the sun listening to the birds so that that definitely makes you obvious (laughs) okay so do you believe your intuition has always just been part of like who Courtney is part of your soul like your soul blueprint I mean is this like as a little girl were you intuitive were you always in your feelings like listening to your body did you have that awareness where did this come from was it taught to you it's definitely something that has been with me since you know a very early age when I was a little girl I did have a relationship with spirit and my mum every time we'd leave the house I'd say to my mum leave the radio on for George and she'd be like who's George And I was just like, well, George is just the guy who's around. And I think, you know, she thought imaginary friend, but I was very aware that George was somebody who just kind of popped in and out. It was something that I was comfortable with up until a point. And then, you know, high school can be tough trying to fit in. I realized very quickly that I was a bit different. So I didn't 
nurture that part of me I kind of turned away from it and you know my teens my you know mid to late teens there was a lot of anxiety because of that I was not listening to my intuition I was going against my natural tendency so I did struggle a lot in my teens but it started coming back until you know eventually in my early 30s I got a big kick up the bum life was not working out for me I was you know doing things that were contrary to what I knew was the right decision for me but I kept logicaling it and saying I can figure this out I think this will work but really my body was saying this is not working so eventually everything just fell apart and I just said well what now and you know, a lot of the intuition came back really quickly. And I was like, oh, thank God, you know. And after that, I just was like, this is me. I can't ignore it anymore. Life is too hard when you ignore the truth of, you know, who you are and how you operate. You know, I'm glad. And I guess we have to have those difficult moments to really understand certain aspects of ourselves. So I don't regret any of that, but um, I would certainly encourage anybody who particularly younger people who do have a connection, who do follow their intuition, would certainly encourage them to continue to do so and not to hide it. It makes life much easier. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Try to figure out what that resistance or what that felt like if you weren't in line with your integrity or you were not listening to your intuitive self, your higher self. What kind of symptoms and how could it pop its head up so you can, you know, bring awareness to it? Well, everybody's psychophysical processes are unique to themselves. So it's really hard to say you will definitely get this or this. But generally, um, it could be things like feelings of anxiety, feelings of you know panic or nervousness in the chest or stomach. It might be recurring headaches when you're working on a certain project or thinking about a certain thing. Digestive issues are really typical because you know your digestion is all endocrine solar plexus it's all intertwined and also you know if you look at the work that um, particularly Louise Hay has done and Australian uh, Annette Noontel around um, the metaphysical causes for physical um, ailments and responses everything is connected so there's definitely um a lot of value in inquiring about what, why am I having this pain here? Or why am I having this, you know, feeling here? Why does this emotion keep popping up around this issue? Just sitting down and recognizing it and saying, I'm definitely noticing a pattern here. I always feel like this when I'm doing X or thinking about X is a great way to start to understand. Okay. That's because something is not quite right. Well, I am so attracted to your um, ALM or the Ascension Leadership Model, your your seven-step program. Five pillars that it's based on is like, wow. And I'd like to hear what it is a model for because you could use those five pillars, I think, for anything in your life. And I love all of them. Intuition, values, energy, intention, and activation. Yeah, those are like the five pillars of life. (laughs) absolutely so the ascension leadership model is something that just naturally fell out of working with women who are in you know corporate roles in leadership roles working with them to help them let go of feelings of anxiety or stress and to step more into their confidence I realized that by taking just you know a single lane approach to you know helping people resolve these issues was not as effective as coupling all of these things together so you know, using your intuition 
is for me, you know, the number one thing that we can do in our lives. But when you couple that with working with your energy and releasing duck energy or expanding energy to put into projects to actualize things, when you also take the time to review thinking styles with your values, all of these things work through into promotion. So they all strengthen each other. So the Ascension Leadership Model is essentially a model for self-care. It can be used for any area of your life. And it is just a way to review all of the systems of how we operate, the mental, physical, emotional, spiritual self, because it's a package. There's not just one of those aspects. So combining all of these pillars and doing it in this way really helps us to let go of the limitations and constraints that, you know, come through conditioning and come through trying to fit into societal norms and help us to recognize who we really are and, and what our true values and beliefs are. And of course, working with intentions is just another way to really powerfully move towards the goals and, you know, the, the dreams that you have. So some of this stuff for, you know, some of my clients was a little bit, oh, that's a bit, you know, that's a step too far. You can go, you know, a few steps down the path with people and then you get to meditation and they're like, no, 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 I don't have time for that. However, within this model, activation is about meditation and learning how to really connect in with the inner being to activate the 12 chakra system. And it doesn't have to be a complicated process. It can just be a very simple process of a, setting an intention to activate those chakras and spending a couple of minutes just breathing and feeling into the body. And of course, there's guided processes as well. So each of those pillars really amplifies the other. Shanna always goes back to the chakra system because everything just seems to align perfectly with them. And it sounds like you use that a lot. Did you say the 12 chakras? Yes. So traditionally in mainstream, we focus on the seven chakra system, mm -hmm. uh, but there are additional chakras, fifth dimensional chakras. And so this process in the energy pillar talks through an activation of the seven chakra system. And that prepares you then to, in the activation phase, go further and activate those fifth dimensional chakras. So this model, whilst, you know, there is a, a lot of woohoo around it, it also has that balance between cognitive thinking when you're thinking about your values and how you think. So it has a foundation of, I guess, logic or left brainy stuff so that people can come to it and understand it because the conscious mind needs structure and reason to grasp onto a concept. And then it really is underpinned by the chakras, how they support those concepts and how intention and image streaming and, you know, creating future memories support those concepts of how the conscious mind and the subconscious mind work together. So there's enough logic in it for the data-driven people, but it's also a gentle way to start to understand and move into the intuition and the kinesthetic and the, the feeling. Brilliant. I love that because then it works for both kinds, right? You know, right-minded and left. Yep. Um, you spoke about awareness and prior to that, you even spoke a little bit about, you know, just being true to yourself, you finding your voice. So self-love and awareness and all that is found under the intuition, I'm assuming, or is it found throughout? Possibly maybe a, a bit of a chicken and an egg question. I guess to a certain point, we have to love ourselves enough to make the time to listen to our body and, you know, to connect in. 
And by doing that, we find a deeper sense of love for ourselves because within that space of going within and really connecting with our essence within that space, there is unconditional love and acceptance. So, you know, it's all, you know, beautifully wrapped up and intertwined like everything in the world of metaphysics and quantum and, and these things. But I think as well, you know, there's a lot of talk these days about being authentic and speaking your truth and I do, you know, 100% I, I agree with that, but there's kind of this feeling that to do that, you have to be really out there and really visible and really, you know, maybe in people's faces. I'm being authentic and watch me be authentic. But for a lot of us and for myself, I'm a, I'm a natural introvert. Being authentic is just sometimes being by myself in the garden quietly, you know. So I think authenticity and our truth is about following our natural passions and natural talents. And so that also includes, you know, what you do in your career or relationships. If you grew up with a family of lawyers and you're expected to be a lawyer, but you would rather, you know, rescue animals or be a doctor or an astronaut or any other number of things, being a lawyer is never going to bring you the fulfillment and the happiness and the authenticity that you seek in your life. So often being authentic and being true to ourselves is about having healthy boundaries and saying, no, that is somebody else's idea of me, but this is not, Mm. that's not me. Oh, I see saying, just saying no in itself, just one of the most powerful things for me when it comes to finding my voice. Yes. more powerful than even, you know, being able to talk about stuff, you know, on a podcast. I mean, honestly, for myself, learning how to say no is such power. Understanding also that no can be a complete sentence. You know, if somebody asks you to do something, it's okay to just say no. And I see this particularly with women because we're, you know, I guess we've been conditioned to please and to fit in and to do. But when you say no, you always feel compelled to explain why, to have a valid reason. Or an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. So that so you don't make the other person feel bad, so that you, you you save face in a way. But you know sometimes no, I just don't want to. It doesn't feel right. So just no, and I yeah. think that there is so much power in that word. And the more that we can use it gracefully and you know assertively, I think that the more chance we have to really align with our truth and to model that for our children and you know yeah. show our yeah, children. I was just going to say okay. that my daughter's very shy extremely shy yes we know this she knows this (laughs) but her teacher brought it to our attention again wanting to provide all of these outside um, resources for her you know she should do this then and she should she should join this club and this club and she was like but I'm okay with being shy right society is like you're not supposed to be this way (laughs) Yeah, that, that's right. It's somebody else's idea of how another person should, you know, function. And shy is a label that somebody else has come up with. It's a construct of, you know, the conscious mind. She, yeah. she is a happy, you know, comfortable child in her own space. She's probably spending more time connecting in with the truth and the, the universal consciousness than all of the chatter that's, you know, the irrelevant stuff that's going on around her. And people step out into a broader space when they're ready or when the time is absolutely right for them and so you know I think sometimes we have come across shy people in in our lives and later on down the path they have found their passion and they found what really ignites them and 
that may cause them to be more vocal or more social or to quietly work away on their passion without having to be in the spotlight. We don't always need to be seen and heard and have, you know, accolades and recognition to, yeah. to have a meaningful life and to make a meaningful contribution. And society just hasn't made that space. Yeah. Not completely. I think, like you said, we're moving into the future. But, you know, I mean, I felt that even the fact that she spoke up to me was huge. It's very interesting because when I was her age, it was the opposite. They called my mom and told my mom that I was too outgoing, that I was always the first one to raise my hand, that I was always the first one to implement my opinion, that I was always the first one to like, you know, kind of get the group going. And so I grew up thinking that I needed to become more shy. So it's always funny how we can take these outside opinions and let them actually become part of our story. Mm. Yeah. And just, you know, that's such early conditioning of how we must fit in, how we must shape ourselves to fit somebody else's expectations. And, you know, I do think it's dangerous. We know that children between the ages of, you know, birth and seven years old, everything that they experience contributes to their values, their beliefs, and, you know, how they see the world. And after that point, you know, that stuff is fairly well cemented in. So once a child is beyond that age, if they have limiting beliefs about themselves, disempowering beliefs about themselves, it can take a lifetime to recognize those and be very difficult to shift them. We need to be very careful about the way we interact with our children and the things that we say. We should teach them these five pillars from the very beginning. And, you know, implement these five pillars into all of our systems that we look at, our education systems, our health systems, our political systems. That would be my dream. If we're going to go wild and crazy dreaming today, then that's my dream. (laughs) (laughs) I love wild and crazy dreaming. Speaking of dreaming, I saw that you are also a hypnotherapist. So do you take people into that theta brainwave as part of your coaching? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I believe that we do so much work on a subconscious level without needing a hypnotherapist. And that is, you know, where the majority of our power and our ability to create that's where it resides. So in my work as a hypnotherapist, I will teach a person how to intentionally take themselves into that state to you know, create certain outcomes. In that state, in that theta state, when you have direct communication with the subconscious mind, you can identify areas that are no longer empowering a person to you know, move forward and to create change. You can negotiate with, you know, parts of the subconscious mind that operate certain belief systems or certain habits and behaviors. So working at that level has so much potential, unlimited potential, so much unknown about it as well. But through the subconscious, for somebody who practices and works in that space, you can then access superconscious, and that's where collective consciousness resides. That's your connection to everything that's in the universe. And it's not that chattery monkey mind (laughs) it's the unknown probably get some really great information out of it as well and you never know what you're going to get that it has unlimited potential you never know where it's going to go but the other aspect of it is that you can have a very effective hypnotherapy session without needing content so if somebody comes with a specific issue that they want to work on I don't really need to know too much about it because their subconscious mind will provide the information to them uh, at the most appropriate time so they don't need oh, to okay. tell me you know I do this and this happened to me when I was a child and I want x 
I guide them into that theta state to connection with the subconscious mind. And I say, now have your subconscious mind do the work that's necessary. And wow, I mean, the change that you can make uh, in, a, in a single session is just unbelievable. And I just think, why are we not utilizing this more in you know our mainstream healthcare systems why are we not using this more to help people with chronic issues the the body can heal itself so there's a lot of a lot of potential there hey there sense of soul listeners this is kelly sparta you probably remember me from the january episode on spirit doctor shanna and mandy and i've been talking and we're gonna partner up and they're being kind enough to put out my new program and so if you are a spiritual seeker who is further along in your process if you are someone who is looking at all the programs that are out there and going oh god what i've seen all these before i've done this a million times where's the next level well here's the next level I do a program called evolve with sacred energetics that is specifically for intermediate to advanced level students it is a custom designed program where you work with me to custom design not only a program that'll fill in any gaps that you've missed along the way but also where we work on taking you to where you want to go and what the next things are that you want to learn so if you're interested in that Go to mysenseofsoul.com and click on the link or hit the link in the show notes and sign up for a discovery call to see if this is going to be a good fit for you. I would love to talk to you. I find that even as amazing as Gen Z is, a lot of them are searching for what to do. In fact, Connor even made up his own, Mandy said, like made up his own major. I mean, you know, like. They don't have names for maybe even what they want to do. Yeah, my son made up his own major at one point because he was like, none of these feel right to me. (laughs) Picking something off of a list of conditioned uh, careers for them. You do find that. And so so there's like this stuckness of trying to fit future with their passion or with what they went to school for. It seems like a lot of times they're jumping all over. Yeah, and I think as a society, we're so hung up on labels. I mean, when you meet somebody for the first time, within the first couple of minutes, you inevitably ask what they do and they will give you a job title and you think, well, that's not really who you are. And I think that, you know, we, we talk about purpose and we talk about finding purpose and there is a lot of pressure around that. I see, you know, in the media, particularly social media, so much pressure on finding your purpose. I believe that our purpose evolves and changes as we... Uh, hit certain milestones in our lives as we achieve certain goals and that purpose is not always about big bold statements and you know world changing things sometimes a purpose is about just nurturing you know a single person or a piece of land or you know it it could be a hundred thousand different things but within the ascension leadership model pillar four is about intention and I guide a person through a finding my purpose process that allows you to strip away the conditioned, you know, the expectations. So why do you do what you do? Oh, well, because that's what my family does or that's because, you know, I fell into it and 
I get paid well and people think I'm great, but why, but why, but why? Until you really find out what your true passion is and what gives you joy and your purpose really at the end of the day, I believe, is to live a life joyfully and to have that spiritual connection to be able to go within and to live your life joyfully and gracefully and, and without harm to others. Intention. Yeah, I saw this quote. It resonated with me. It was like, do whatever the fuck you want, as long as you're not hurting someone else. <laughs> right. I th- that's pretty much like um, paraphrasing the Buddha, right? <laughs> Don't don't, don't hurt people and have a good time. (laughs) I think as well that, you know, when we strip away all of the conditioned uh, responses, the labels, the expectations, when you um, start to pay attention to your intuition, when you start to have awareness of the energetic influences around you and how to care for your energy system and your chakras, when you reflect on your thinking styles and your beliefs and clear that up so that you are in a really empowered state your purpose becomes drawn to you because you are clear you are aligned with who you are so instead of you know looking for your purpose and being confused by all of these outside forces you are drawn towards the thing that you came here to do your reason for being and Mm -hmm. because your energy is vibing so high because of that law of attraction like versus like when you Mm -hmm. are in your own energy when you're in your own truth you attract other people and situations and and events that are of the same vibration and synchronicities many you know, right. that'll lead to opportunities that where you're like, oh God, I didn't even seek this. How did this end up so perfectly aligned? That Absolutely. matches exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. So in a way, you know, it's not selfish, but it's about taking care of yourself. When you take care of your own energy, when you take care of your own thought processes, when you take care of those underlying beliefs and attitudes, you're creating, you're creating the perfect outcomes for you and the perfect world for you. So you're, you know, just making it all happen by looking after yourself. And, you know, equally, when you are raising your vibration and looking after yourself, you have a positive influence on other people. They will either see that and think, I like that and I'm I'm going to get involved or they say, I don't like that, so I'm going to go away and they will leave your experience. So it's the best thing you can do. Do you kind of take on more women than you do men? I noticed um, that it said that ALM as a getaway for women to transcend perceived limitations. Do you work with men as well? I mean, I'm just curious. I do. Look, I do work, work with men. And when I first started out, yes, I was working specifically with women because I'm a woman. That is my area of experience and expertise. I know what it's like to be a woman in a corporate world you know, we still have gender pay gaps and all kinds of things going on in in workplaces. So naturally, a lot of my clients were women because I can understand that journey. However, I have found over the last 12 months, more uh, men being willing to say out loud that they have feelings Mm -hmm. and to acknowledge their intuition and to want to explore that. And that is really beautiful. And I think that gender aside sexual orientation aside you know beliefs aside anything like that the people who I work with are the people who are energetically ready to uh, understand and integrate this information and are also people who through working with I learn something too so as a practitioner in any kind of healing modality you always attract the the clients and the people who are perfect for you at the perfect time 
And so I've been really lucky to have, um, you know, I guess expanded that. Obviously, because this is a model that applies to any area of life, I also am working with a lot of children um, recently, and that is amazing. Children just blow your mind. It's fa- it's fabulous. <laughs> yeah, actually, Mandy sent me just that this morning. Um, here, I'll read it because it's so it's so great. What did you send me this morning, Mandy? A lot of things, actually. <laughs> I'm always I'm like, wow, there we have to go back so far. Here we go. This is really good, though. Do you remember what you sent me this morning? I sure don't. You sure <laughs> so long. That was hours ago. We had, had a long day. It says, what happens is the people who are trying to attract take notice, and the people you aren't are repelled. You want this to happen. It helps you build a business with the right people you can serve. Yeah. Yeah. I think that goes back to, um, you know, you use the word confidence, um, you know, confidence in sharing your views and, and trust in your expertise and intuition, right? So you're trying to help people all have that to make the right decisions at work. And I think that, that we talked about this for a moment before, but that's also a very um, scary place to be sometimes because and you're right it takes work to get confident in it because like shan and i have talked about numerous times in the past if you have even a tad of self-doubt you're, you're gonna find that you feel a little bit vulnerable and in this world lately people are so ugly at like attacking you for your views so you really really have to make sure you're aligned with just that with with your truth and being confident in it yeah and I think that's where you know gathering data does help us you know I always say to people you know don't don't worry too much about the noisy ego mind who wants data and information go with what your gut is telling you but in order to trust that intuition you need to have the evidence so I teach within this model a step called the inner resolution method and that is a way to recognize your psychophysical process um, when your body is giving you your intuition and your body are working together to give you a signal for yes and a signal for no. And I teach my clients how to tune in to this to their body through the inner resolution method and then to use it on you know small things that perhaps are inconsequential to build up evidence of when the intuition is correct. And Whoa. Did, did they follow it? Yes. What happened? Great outcomes. Did they follow it? No. What happened? Well, then things went downhill. So now I will know to follow it. So I encourage then after learning the inner resolution method to gather a body of evidence to build trust in it because it, it is about trust. And sometimes the, the logical mind, the conscious mind thinks it should be this, this path. But the intuition oh. is saying, no, this is not the, the right thing for you. And you're like, but but the logic, the data, it all figures out over here. But the intuition saying, no, no, no. When you're brave enough to follow the intuition, you get to something much better, much more interesting. So it's much discernment. You know, so often people are like, go oh, say this affirmation and they're not aligned with it. You know, I mean, you can say affirmations to your blue in the face, you know, or you can even many times, especially back in the day, I mean, you know, I really spoke about boundaries. I understood them. I spoke them, but I didn't have them. you know and so I really but you know even though I understood them I hadn't actually experienced them and the same thing for self-doubt and self-trust you can understand it but I mean you have to kind of like embody it 
you have to eventually have the guts, I guess, to follow it. So this is why when you start using your intuition, when you decide intuitive decision-making is the path for me, you start with small things. So I say, you know, ask about, is this the best, you know, snack for me right now? Should, you know, apple or orange, which is the best one? Is this the right decision for me at this time? You start with small things and then you get that evidence of, yep, that turned out well, that turned out well. I ignored it, that turned out badly. So I will pay attention to it next time. Be responsible for when you're not going to listen to your intuition. So one example is that I know peanut butter gives me a headache. But I love peanut butter. I love peanut butter on toast. It's my little go-to snack. So using the inner resolution method and then confirming it with some kinesiology techniques, I've identified that, yes, peanut butter gives me a headache. But I also know that sometimes I just want to eat it. So I say to my intuition, I know that this is going to give me a headache and I'm 100% willing to be responsible for that outcome. And then my intuition says, well, she listens to me. She has free will. And I'm not going to go away. But when you keep ignoring your intuition, the signals get weaker and weaker. It gets quieter and quieter. And eventually it says, if you're not going to listen, I don't, you know, I can't keep banging my head against a wall trying to get your attention. But when you set an intention to listen, the signals will get stronger and you will be given more evidence to the fact that it is always trustworthy because it's not just blind faith. Intuition is not just blind faith. It pulls together all of your subject matter expertise, everything you have ever learnt, seen or experienced, it pulls together all of that at the subconscious level and brings it together and turns it into a psychophysical process. So when you're using intuitive decision-making in a workplace, you're not just guessing, it's not just 50-50, your subconscious mind is providing the information that you need like that without having to look at the spreadsheets and run the numbers and read the report several times. So it's a more effective way to make decisions. It's a more energy efficient way to make decisions. Yeah, I find it so crazy how we just so always looking outside of us for everything, for all the answers. We're getting online, we're asking our friends, we're we're asking our parents, our teachers when everything is within. Yes, absolutely. It's all within. Courtney, I'm like so intrigued by this program that you've put together. I think it's very special and, and unique in the way that Sometimes we have people on and in my mind, I'm thinking of all of my friends or family, or even like my husband, who's very data-based, very much about numbers, very corporate. And I'm thinking there's no way this would work for him because he needs evidence. And it seems like your program offers both. It offers this validity and this proof and this evidence. And so I love that because this is something that, that, anyone could do and benefit from. I could see him totally being open to this. And, you know, I was the same way when I started Reiki at first, you know, it's interesting. We, we all believe that in this God that's up in the world that we can't see and everything in the Bible that we were told to believe about him, but anything else we can't see, we always question it. We need that proof. And it's like with the Reiki, I was kind of like that at first, I, you know, I had to really ease my way into it and actually do things to help build up that evidence to make it become my truth. So I was confident in the work and the energy work I was doing. And that's just how I am. So I love that yours does that. Thank you. And I think that's, this is why I've kind of set the pillars up the way that I have is that each step builds on the foundation of the previous one. So it's like a gentle introduction into 
bringing yourself to a more greater sense of connection so you can start with the evidence and so for people who are logical logic data-driven people they can come to it through knowing okay I can get the evidence I can get the proof and that builds the trust and then when you're in that trust phase you're more than open to exploring you know the bigger picture the the subconscious and the universal consciousness and bigger than that so it, it is a model that can work for everyone and it is yeah. a model that can work for any area of life it doesn't have to be about business yeah. or leadership definitely health and well-being anything you're working on and once you go through the model once you know when you really say okay I need to make some changes you work your way through the model and then later on, you can say, I need to tweak. So I might just want to go back and visit one of those pillars because I feel like that's where I could bring more balance in. Or you might like to say, I'm going to do the whole model again and have a whole nother, whole nother tune up. So it's really up to you how you use it after you work through it in the first instance. But the exercises and the techniques that you learn along the way, you will quickly understand how you can apply them to any life situation at any time. Love it. You know what? You are such a leader. Matthew and I actually talked about that right before I let you in. I even told Mandy, I'm like, do you want me to let the leader in? <laughs> Which you are. <laughs> but you know what really, really is shocking is that you said you were an introvert. And, and as an introvert, let me ask you, what would you tell me as a mother who has a very, I mean, she's pretty freaking introverted. She also is very creative. She's super smart. She has so many wonderful skills that leaders have. What should I feed her? You know, what would you suggest to someone to help them well, get into that role? I think that introvert and extrovert is not just a matter of somebody being chatty and gregarious or quiet and shy. These definitions or these, you know, understandings of a person's preference they are labels but they're also an indication of how they recharge their batteries so a really high ranking extrovert will draw energy from being with a lot of people at a party or in a busy place and you know the noise and the hustle and the bustle an extroverted person draws energy from being in a quiet space being in their own company maybe reading or just you know sitting quietly so for yourself with your daughter just acknowledging that how she prefers to recharge her batteries how she prefers to build her energy up is really important and not always forcing her to get out in the world and you know do these kinds of things you know, I'm passionate about sharing this model. I'm passionate about working with other people. And so it's easy for me to share this with, with the world. It's easy for me to work with people uh, because I, I'm inspired by it. So at the end of a busy day, I then go and spend some time quietly by myself. So being an introvert is not like that's going to make life hard for the rest of your life. It's definitely about finding what turns you on. If you force an introvert into a career that they do not like or a situation that they do not like, they will have an unhappy time and probably the people around them will be unhappy. It is true. She is so much far more open and with people when she's within her passion. Yeah. Yeah. Something that inspires you that you're interested in. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be a grind. So, you know, do what you love. Like, you know, like the kids are saying, just do what you love. Be joyful because when you're in a a vibration of joy and happiness, that is a higher vibration than a vibration of, I hate this job. I'm angry at the world. Your vibration affects everybody else around you. So whether or not you're picking up rubbish or, you know, working for the UN, if your vibration is joyful, it has far more impact than if it is not. It sounds like what Mandy always talks about, integrity. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I love the word joyful too. I've decided mm. to like get rid of happy because like, I think that for myself, I've, and I've said it in a couple of podcasts, I feel like happy has been like misinterpreted. Like it's this emotion we're all supposed to just stay in all the time. And that's a really unrealistic expectation. So joyful, just your soul feeling joyful. I love that word. I feel like we've touched base on the activation, the intention, the energy. We talked about the intuition too, but values. Like what are some exercises that you do with clients to kind of help them to really pinpoint their values? Because mine have shifted recently. And I also realized a lot of my values were based on what the world felt my values should be. Yeah, right. We have different values for different contexts, different life situations, but we all have values for, um, I guess, the context of the society that we grow up in. So more broadly, countries like Australia and America will be at a certain values level because we have, um, you know, an economic uh, process going on. We have certain ways of thinking around business and expansion the the values around business is values level five um, as indicated by Claire Graves so we have different values for different life contexts and what I would always suggest somebody does is say okay what is the life context that I'm thinking about so is it you know work and career and ask yourself what is important to me about this and you know what is the most important thing I've got my top three important things but if I could only have one of those and not the other, you know, what is the most important? And also asking yourself, does that value connect to a belief that is empowering me and supporting me to create the outcomes in my life? We believe certain things because we have been taught to by our parents, our schools, social media, religion, all of the influences around us. And we get to a point in our lives where we realize that these things no longer ring true for us. They no longer help us. So just asking yourself, do I still believe that? Do I need to believe that? Is that really true? Like, like you, you said, you were told in school that you put your hand up first, you're too chatty, you're always voicing your opinion. As a child, you probably believed that that wasn't right. But now you are older and able to reflect on that and say, do I need to have this belief anymore? Does it help me? And if the answer is, no, I don't need it. No, it doesn't help me. You can let it go and change it. And you can change that through intentions, through meditation, through hypnotherapy, you know, through affirmation, but you have identified something that no longer works. You don't need it. Yeah. Wow. We let the world just pull us in, you know, all of the hard times that are going on in the past few years. I think it's been a struggle for most. And, you know, I know for me and many of the people we've had on our podcast and our guests and everything, looking for something like this, looking for a step process even. And so you have seven steps, right? Yeah. So the first step is the most important part of the process for our daily life. And that's your intuition. So that's where you learn the inner resolution method, how to tune into your body signals for yes or no. We then use the skill that we've learned with that yes or no to go and review our values and to understand what our current values level of thinking is, the current system that we use to view the world. And then the third step is to let go of the outdated ones that aren't empowering us and that aren't helping us. And we do that through using this in a resolution method. Do I still need this? Yes or no. Can I let it go? Yes or no. After you've upgraded your thinking, step four is to then upgrade the energy system by 
liberating the negative emotions and the dense energy that is stuck in the chakra system. Once you do that, you're absolutely humming and you move on to step five, which is to intentionally raise your vibration and to learn techniques to maintain a high vibration. So this is like energetic hygiene. You're keeping your energy system fresh and clean so that you're buzzing and bringing buzzing people and experiences towards you. Now that you've got all that in place, you move to step six, which is about understanding your purpose and creating a future through using intentions. So really understanding what drives you, what turns you on and where you want to go. And then using a powerful process to create future memories that you can then be pulled towards, which is wonderful. And then step seven is where we really move into the activation. And this is the part where we use meditation to activate the fifth dimensional chakras. So that's stepping into the 12 chakra system. When you do that, when you activate those additional chakras, you are really grounding all of your energy and all of your intention, and you have greater access to all of your experiences throughout all of your lifetimes. You are a powerhouse for making decisions, for creating change, for leading and inspiring other people to do the same thing. So it sounds, you know, seven steps, but each one of them is very exciting and very interesting. And the change that you will experience is just amazing. When you just say them, you're, my body feels excited. You know, like I, I'm smiling. I, I don't know. There's something about it. It's just exciting. You know, in Alcoholics Anonymous, they have the steps that we have to do. And I've gone through them. And the first time I was, you know, doing them, they told me that people do them over and over again for the rest of their mm-hmm. life. And I was like, what? That's yeah. horrible. That is terrifying. <laughs> but then once you got through them the first time and felt such a beautiful shift within you, it's like, you're so excited to continue to do them. I feel like it would be the same with yours. And you feel the changes just snowballing. You take the first step and you're like, okay, this is good. You take the second step and it's just building momentum and everything is about the vibration. So Alcoholics Anonymous, the energetic vibration of the intention of that program is a very high vibration. It's a plus 500. And so everything that happens within those settings, when everybody has the same intention to transform, to change the things that aren't working out for them, to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. So once you go on that journey and you start to see the changes, you don't want to go back. You work through this model, the Ascension Leadership model, and you're like, well, now that I know that, I'm not going back and I want to go again and again. It's like an awesome roller coaster. You're like, yeah, again, I want to do it again. So when you become sensitive to that energy, which you really do start to do it about step four, like you're really opening up to the vibe of a person or a place, it's addictive. You want to keep your energy really high and you want to be surrounded by people who are in the same space because it's so uplifting and so inspiring. All right, everybody needs the book. Tell them the name, tell them where to get it. I love it. So the book is called The Leader Within and um, it's seven steps to ascension leadership and intuition in business. You can purchase it obviously at all of the mainstream reputable uh, booksellers or you can purchase it online directly from myself at theleader-within.com and there's some free resources uh, that are available um, through the book and that includes the Finding Your Purpose flowchart which helps you to unpack you know, your reasons for what you're doing and the motivations for why you are where you are now and where you want to go. Um, so The Leader Within. And yeah, look, you know, it's got a couple of diagrams and pictures in it. It's a pretty easy read, but you know, every page is, every step is fun. I enjoy hearing 
what people have discovered about themselves and processes they've been through as a result of working through the model. I think it's awesome that you were you put this in a book and you're just like gifting it to the world. My role as, you know, a hypnotherapist or an energy healer or, you know, anybody who's in a helping healing space is to empower somebody to find their own agency and, and help themselves. So you should this- go drop one of these books off to that dude who said you didn't fit in. <laughs> I'll gift him a copy. And now it's time for Break That Shit Down. I think I'd just like to share with everybody that where you are right now is the perfect place to be and that there is no condition outside of you that really has any power over you and that you are always the source of truth for what is right for you in your life and to just know that it can always be trusted, just follow that. You're a beautiful being of light and unconditional love and I love you and I look forward Mm -hmm. to hearing of your successes. Where do they contact you if they want to, you know, get some coaching from you or where can they follow your journey? Uh, People can get in touch with me uh, via email at hello at theleader-within.com or you can check out uh, my coaching website, which is courtneyjonescoaching.com. There um, is a whole bunch of stuff on there about the book, about the model and the uh, individual coaching um, programs that I also offer. So, you know, or find me on Facebook, but give me a holler and let me know how you're going. I I love chatting and connecting. Well, Courtney, you're beautiful soul. Thank you for putting your light out into the world and thank you for doing the work so that you could share it with others. Um, I, I can feel your intention and I can feel your authenticity behind what you do, not only as an author, but as a person and a coach. And um, so thank you for taking the time to come on Sense of Soul and sharing that. Thank you. It's been such a joy. I look forward to seeing you guys again sometime. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Did you know that Sense of Soul now has a Patreon where you can get exclusive episodes, mini series that Mandy and I have been working on for a long time that we can't wait to share with you? Monthly readings, Sense of Soul sacred circles, workshops, behind the scene clips, and much more. Hop on Sense of Soul Patreon right now and sign up. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.